hope someone else is, wow, it's loud, sorry. I, I really hope someone else is looking forward to a great new year as well. I've been just so excited and just ready to um, begin this new year, a new start of worshiping our God, and maybe in a new way today. So if you guys would, we're going to stand, we're going to sing a few songs of praise to him to start out this morning.
Amen. Hey, you guys, let me see you this morning. year indeed. I don't know where you're uh, starting this year at mentally, spiritually. I, I, I don't know. God does. Uh, but hopefully, that's weird echo that we've got going on there, isn't it? That's kind of fun. Um, but hopefully, uh, those, those first few songs can put you in the right mindset. Whatever you have ahead of you this year, known or unknown, your God's going with you. And he absolutely will fight for you. You're not doing it alone. All right, so don't forget that, whether you know the battles that are ahead, and you might, or you have no idea what's coming, that's okay. And please never forget that you're a child of God. If, if you've accepted his son as your Lord and Savior, you are absolutely a child of his. If you haven't yet, he longs for you to be his child. So don't forget that, and he has a place prepared for us that uh, we can't even begin to comprehend how incredible this place is called heaven that we will be for all eternity with our God. We, we can't fathom it. We can't dream. We, we just can't understand it. So much to look forward to, so much to celebrate, even with the struggles that are around us right now. So don't be discouraged. Please don't lose heart, all right? It brings God honor when we celebrate his greatness. Did you know that? So why don't we do it often, more often? Why don't we? It kind of seems like the modern church has kind of forgotten one of the most important elements of our faith. We simply do not celebrate enough. We absolutely should. We don't set aside enough time for all of us to share what it is that God has done and is doing in our lives. Not only does this bring glory and honor to God, but here's the thing, we have no idea how God wants to use our story. He's brought us, he's brought you to this point in your life for a reason. He has given you your story for a reason. He has forgiven us. He has blessed us. He has healed us. He has guided us. He may have had to drag us kicking and screaming at times, but... All of that was for his purpose, more specifically, a very specific purpose for your life. If we keep our story to ourselves, God cannot use our story the way that he wants to. 
All you and I have to do is share it. We have no idea how our story might impact the people around us. We don't know who it might encourage. We don't know who it might inspire. We don't know who it might even bring to Jesus. When we share our story, it might just be the key that the Holy Spirit uses to unlock somebody else's heart or to open their mind or their eyes to the reality of God for the very first time. As you'll hear a little bit later on, he might even use it to inspire someone literally into action. Some of you might have experienced that at some point in your life. You, you were at a speaker, you were at an event, you were at a camp, you were at whatever, and somebody there shared something that inspired you then to go on and make a decision for Christ, to go on and serve God in the way that you currently are maybe even. They might even listen to your story and think that what you did or what someone did for you was such a good idea that they want to go out and try to do the exact same thing. See, today is a celebration. Everything that we do today is celebrating our God. He alone is worthy of our praise. Amen? Here's the really cool thing. These celebrations, they're not my idea. They're not your idea. These are God's plan for our life. You see, as God began to establish who he is among his original people, the Hebrew nation, in the time of Moses, he famously started off by giving them what we would call the law, right? The, the Ten Commandments is where that originated. But that was only the beginning of what God revealed to them. God went on to give those early followers a wealth of knowledge, and it is extensive and still in practice today. Everything from how to handle legal disputes to how to treat and keep disease from spreading amongst the camp all the way to the foundations of the world as we know it. But he went even farther. He did more. Our God gave them a series of festivals to celebrate, throughout, to celebrate his faithfulness throughout the entire year. Many of these feasts are still celebrated by Jews and Christians alike around the world. Now, there's not a specific New Testament command or mandate that we maintain all of these traditions and festivals. But here's a couple of thoughts for you. First of all, our Jesus was Jewish, if you didn't know that. And he celebrated every single one of these festivals. And our Jesus, of course, never sinned, so there would be nothing wrong with celebrating them. Now, our Jesus came actually to fulfill the meaning and the purpose behind every one of these Jewish festivals as well. Every one of these festivals in some way, shape, or form points directly to the coming of Jesus and the role that he would ultimately fulfill on this earth. That obviously gives us permission, if we so desired as Christians, to celebrate our God in these same ways, does it not? The difference is we get to celebrate in the light of the Messiah having already come to this earth to save us. So we're not looking forward to his eventual original coming, but we are celebrating his original coming and looking forward to his second coming. There's a beauty to that if you really think about it. Here's the other thing as Christians. If, if we take a moment to learn a little bit about these celebrations that were ordained and established by God himself, we're going to grow closer to him. 
We're going to learn more about him. We're going to develop a greater appreciation for all that he has done and is doing in our lives right now. And I don't think either one of those things could possibly be bad, do you? I think they both sound pretty positive. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take just a really quick survey, a very quick look at three, just three of these feasts or festivals, what we commonly refer to as Jewish feasts, maybe more accurately from a biblical standpoint, should be called feasts of the Lord because God in the Bible calls all of these festivals simply his own. These are his festivals, his celebration. You can find all three of them in Leviticus chapter 23. That's where we'll be for the most part today. It refers to these feasts as holy convocations or sacred assemblies. The same chapter covers all of these major feasts of the Lord, these three annual feasts commanded that all of Israel celebrate in Jerusalem or at the temple or tabernacle, depending on the time frame we're talking about. These three festivals are, first of all, the Passover. The second one is the Shavuot, and the third one is the Sukkot. And we'll get to those here in just a moment. The Hebrew word for convocation is the word mikra. Mikra sounds like a fun name. Strong Concordance defines the word this way. Something called out, a public meeting. But it's not just a public meeting. When used in Scripture, the word mikra is almost always followed with the word kodesh, which is translated holy. And it's not just any church get-together. It's not just any church gathering. It is a sacred gathering because God himself has called Israel to come together and unite in his midst. Now, here's the cool thing, church. The New Testament church knows that every time we gather, what? God is in our midst, right? He promises to be with us. There's a few Hebrew words for the word feast. One is the word hag, H-A-G. It means to encircle, to circle dance or a circle festival. It's often used in reference to the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, as we might call it, the Feast of Tabernacles. You see, in biblical times, these three feasts required that you make your way to a tabernacle or to a temple to celebrate. As time went on, that started off being in individual places all over the nation of Israel, but as the temple was actually formed and created, then that meant traveling to Jerusalem to actually celebrate that festival. Now, there were lots of others, and those could be celebrated at home in your hometown and things, so, so not all of the festivals had you traveling, but this one, these three did. These feasts are to be celebrated before the Lord as a joyous, party-like atmosphere. Singing, dancing, processions, party, fun. Yes, celebration of their God. The festivals were communal. They drew the nation together to celebrate and worship as they recalled their common experience, their common origin with God. They were commemorative in that they kept alive the stories of what God had done through the exodus of the Hebrew nation and during the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. They were theological. They observed the, the observance of the festivals. The, there were lessons for the Jews as well in those. The reality of sin, of judgment, of forgiveness, and importantly, the need for thanksgiving to God. The importance of trusting God rather than just hoarding all of their earthly possessions for themselves. And these festivals made a direct point, a direct reference ahead to the coming of the Messiah. They built the anticipation among the people for the day when the symbolism of the feast would actually be realized in the person of Jesus. The feasts of the Lord are public calling, the public calling of God for anyone 
to come and celebrate who he is. Now, there's some of these feasts you've heard of, and some of you, you haven't. Probably you didn't recognize a few of the names that I mentioned, so I'll explain them to you in a way that you might. The first and most famous of the festivals, of course, for us that we would know would be the Passover. If you were here, we actually had Jews for Jesus here, and they explicitly described the Passover meal and what it meant and all the references ahead to Jesus in that. It falls on the Jewish calendar in the 10th month, a month called Nisan, not our calendar, their calendar. It celebrates the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and their freedom from that slavery, the bondage that they were in. This is the famous scene where God protects the firstborn among all of the Hebrews from death if they were willing to sacrifice that spotless lamb and put his blood on the doorposts of their home that allowed the plague to pass over the family. A very, very clear picture of a sacrifice that was coming through Jesus who saved us through his blood shed on the cross. And it's celebrated every year right alongside our Easter celebrations. The celebration and remembrance point directly to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the lamb whose blood was shed and applied to our lives to save us from an eternity apart from him. Now, right alongside with the Passover is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They kind of go hand in hand. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is usually identified with it, but the difference is the Passover is just one day, whereas the Feast of Unleavened Bread continues on throughout the whole week. For the rest of the seven holy days is that Feast of Unleavened Bread. And that's the famous one where they're instructed to get the yeast out of the house and and only have bread without leaven, also called matzah, if you've ever heard that word before. That's their word for it. Another of the festivals that you might not have heard of is the Shavat, or the Feast of Weeks. But you probably know exactly when it is as a Christian. You see, the the Feast of Weeks is the second pilgrimage holiday where they go back to Jerusalem. And it's to celebrate the opening of the harvest season in Israel. It's celebrated seven weeks after Passover. Yes, 50 days after Passover. Now, what took place 50 days after Passover? Anyone? Pentecost, which if you didn't know, the word Pentecost means 50. Yes, in Greek and Latin, both. The Shabbat, God gave Moses, the people of Israel, his law on that day. And a little more than a thousand years later, God poured out his spirit on his people, celebrating the Shabbat in Jerusalem. Pentecost, as we would call it. Now, many of the Jewish festivals that existed were celebrated in the fall during harvest time. They gave thanks to God. They celebrated God for all that he had provided for them. The Feast of Trumpets or Rosh Hashanah. It was the beginning of the silver calendar. The Jewish New Year began with this festival. This was a little more of a solemn festival. People were reminded to reflect on their lives, to repent. The festival begins the high holy days that lead up to the Day of Atonement. Now, you might not know what the Day of Atonement is, but I guarantee you've read it on your calendar before. Because you've read the word Yom Kippur, and you're like, what does that mean? It means Day of Atonement, the holiest day of the entire year for the Jewish people. Many still spend that day in intensive prayer, asking God for forgiveness, fasting, and at times everything actually comes to a complete stop for the celebration of that particular holy day. It is very commemorative in nature, remembering God, and it is also very prophetic in its meaning. The final, the third festival that we're going to share briefly today is the festival of the Sukkot, or 
the Feast of the Booths. If you have your Bible open, then probably your subheading says the Feast of the Tabernacles. A tabernacle is simply a temporary shelter, a little bitty, bigger than a tent, more sturdy than a tent maybe, but a little shelter, a small hut, if you will. This festival begins with a famous collection of palm and willow branches to be used as a symbol of rejoicing before the Lord. Listen to the description actually from Leviticus chapter 23, beginning in verse 37, and yes, it repeats itself. These are the Lord's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing food offerings to the Lord, the burnt offerings and the grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbath and in addition to your gifts and whatever you have vowed and the freewill offerings you give to the Lord. So, verse 39 Beginning with the 15th day of the seventh month, after you have gathered the crops of the land, celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days. The first day is the day of Sabbath rest. The eighth day is also a day of Sabbath rest. On the first day, you are to take the branches from luxuriant trees, palms, willows, and other leafy trees, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Celebrate this as a festival to the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate in the seventh month. Live in temporary shelters for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in such shelters. So your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in temporary shelters when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Please note that these festivals are to be celebrated in addition to regular gatherings. Think of how hard it is for us to just gather together for one day, for an hour and some change each week. Maybe we'll throw in a Wednesday here and there, maybe a small group meeting here or there. They were to set aside an entire week at a time to celebrate what the Lord has done. It really made them focus and plan ahead on how to do that. They call the follower of God to bring special offerings beyond the normal tithe that was prescribed in the Old Testament. They call people to gather and celebrate all that he had done. They call people to reflect and repent and rejoice before the Lord Church. We should do this more. It's almost a commandment to us for crying out loud, but it shouldn't have to be. We should long to share what God is doing in our lives. Today, we've set aside a day to celebrate just that kind of of celebration, if you will, a little miniature version. We're going to share a few stories of what God has done in this past year and look ahead to what God will do among us in the year to come. We got to rejoice. We got to praise. We got to share what God has done and is doing. Why? Why is this so important? Here's why. So that mankind around us, the unbelieving world all around us, can see with their very own eyes that our God is real. And that our God is alive. And that our God is faithful to us. That he still heals the sick. Did you know that? That he still comforts those who mourn. Some of you have experienced that this last year. That he still provides for those in need. I know some of us have experienced that. So why? So that the world around us can see the love of God at work in each and every one of our lives in a way that will then overflow into theirs. So today we're going to share just a few stories that were given to us. We asked for a couple weeks for you to share some stories and some people did. 
we'd ask for these stories just of what, how they've seen God at work in their lives during this past year. I'm taking the opportunity to share a few of these stories, and a few folks are going to share their story themselves. Here's what I want you to do. I want to challenge you to listen very, very carefully for what the Lord wants to reveal to you today. Maybe God wants to inspire you to share your story in some way, shape, or form. Maybe one of these stories will bring you some encouragement, some encouragement that you desperately need in your life. Maybe these stories might give you an idea. God might prompt something in your mind of how God wants you to reach out. Maybe like some of these people got reached out to in their lives. In the end, do this for me, please. When God speaks to you, will you please share with us what he tells you? How will we know? How will we know how God is at work amongst us if you won't share it with us? Uh, From a leadership perspective, sometimes the silence is deafening. We don't hear anything back. And we want to. We know God is at work in your life. And we know he wants to use those stories, but if we don't know the stories, we can't share them, can we? And we want to share them desperately with others. So I'm going to share just a couple with you. Now, I know that Les and Ann Harding would have come up here and Les would have gladly shared his story with you, but I wanted to share his story because I think it's so cool. <laughs> anyway, it's true. Now, he's gotten through some, some health difficulties this year. He had cataract surgery. That's, that's gone well for the most part. They've been very healthy throughout this year. They've got a, a relative that's dealt with some, some health struggles throughout the year, but at this moment, God has blessed them and healed them, and they're doing well right now. But the part of the story I wanted to share from Les was, was his actual personal journey throughout this last year and some change. See, when I got here, I, I met Les and Ann and had several conversations with Les and learned that Les used to sing and play guitar. Matter of fact, he used to travel and sing and play guitar with a group. There's recordings of Les singing and playing the guitar from those days of travel. But I was also told by Les that he could no longer do that. He actually had sold his guitar because he could no longer play it, and he just couldn't sing anymore. He was just too old, was what he would tell me. Well, wouldn't you know it, as fate would have it, (laughs) ha ha ha, just kidding, as God would send him, he's from Colorado, and he'd gone out to visit family in Colorado like they do every single year. And when he was out there, they got the happenstance, the chance to go and visit a place he'd been years and years before, a place that had been burnt down by a fire and been rebuilt And in going to that place, he got to meet the daughter of the owners. Now, what you don't know is when that place was first opened 60-some-odd years ago, Les was there singing at the grand opening of said place, the Flying W Ranch, I believe it's called. And he met the daughter of the owners. The owners had long since passed away. But he met the daughter of them, and then they began a conversation. And she asked the question, because they were getting ready to have a grand reopening, what would you be willing to come and sing? just like you did, sing the same song that you did all the way back 60-whatever years ago. And wouldn't you know he agreed to do that? And wouldn't you know he's performed, I don't know how many times now, back at the Flying W Ranch, and they invited him back then, and they've invited him back again next year as well to come. All for a man that can't sing or play guitar any longer. You see, God wasn't done with him yet. So don't ever sit around here and be like, you know what? I'm too old. God's done with me. He doesn't have any. Yes, he does. If you're still on this earth, he has a purpose and a plan for your life. Don't ever tell me, oh, I'm sorry, I can't. You might not be able to do that anymore, but there's something that you can do. 
So don't ever, ever offer up those excuses to God because he doesn't want to hear them. You're here for a purpose. You're still here for a purpose. He wants to use you desperately. He also does some shows locally. You might be able to check him out over at Boot City every once in a while. Things. But anyway, how cool is that? How cool is that, that God would inspire him, encourage him in such a way? That's our God. He's faithful to us. It's awesome. It's awesome. They also want to let everybody know that they feel like they're blessed by all of you. Their church family. So make sure you give them a hug on your way out today, if you would, for me. All right? And the second person that sent something in was a, a new friend of ours, a new member of our family, Miss Kelly Timmons. She's on this side of the room, about halfway back. If you don't know Kelly yet, you need to get to know Kelly. I'm just going to read her story to you. She says, this year has been an incredible journey. It started this year like all the previous years. I was lost. I felt alone in what seemed like a very dark world. I felt like I lost the things inside of me that made me decent. I'd become an alcoholic over the years. My relationship with God had become strained. I started going back to church through a college-age Bible study that some folks here from our church were leading. And God put some pretty incredible people in her life. Through God's love and the love shown through those people, she's been able to stop drinking, and she's over now four months sober. Yeah. She's still got a long way to go and a lot of changes to make, but God has, been, has made big moves in the short period of time in her life, and she cannot wait for him to reveal more of his plan for her. Nor can we wait to see that. Yeah. The last one that uh, I'm going to share is, is from our own Debbie Bondurant. That's back there on the left-hand side. You might know Scott and Debbie. She got the a privilege of attending the Women's Walk to Emmaus this past year. She was so excited. She had an uninterrupted time to focus on Jesus and her relationship with him. 72 hours of no phones, no devices. I know. Some of you are like, what? Huh? I couldn't do that. If you, if you say that, then that means you need to. All right? That's, that's what I'm telling you. It's called an addiction, and those are bad. Whether it's technology or substances, doesn't matter. Those are a bad thing. The time provided her with insight, guidance, not to mention an intense study of her role in serving God. She's so excited. Lifelong friendships were formed. Spiritual prayer support has been gathered with that Emmaus group, there's a larger community that's always got her back now and encouraging her to stay involved through service and continued preparation with other future walks. She says she feels like God put her in the right place at the right time with the right group of women. Imagine God doing something like that. Who all stay in touch, who all pray for each other, who all support each other. I'm so grateful for those from the church who prayed for her and supported her on this journey. And we're so thankful for her and her family who are part of this church. I'm sure Bob and Joyce are watching right now. What an incredible, incredible thing. Now, we've asked just a few people that, that sent us stories in to share with you. So I get the privilege of leaving the stage and allowing them to share their own, their own stories. So, Miss Galen? My name is Gayla Royer, and I have the privilege of working in a ministry called Herald of His Coming. And our main purpose 
uh, is to do this paper, and we send it out free of charge all around the world. And one of the places that it goes into um, that we hear from often is prisoners. It goes into prisons. Chaplains will take it into the chapel, or prisoners will sign up for it. But all of our material goes out free of charge. Well, from time to time, we offer other Christian literature, and if they contact us, we're glad to send it to them. About two or three weeks ago, I got a phone call, and it was a reader who was asking about one of the books that we offered. Uh, wanted to know if he could get several copies of that. He used to use that in a discipleship group, and it was out of print now, and so he was all excited about being able to get it. And so I told him, I said, yeah, we'd be glad to send that to him. Well, he went on to tell me a little bit of his story. He had been in prison for 30 years, and he'd only been out for a year, and he'd since gotten married. He has a prison ministry where he goes back in and disciples and was going to be using this book with men, and his wife does a prison ministry with women. And he said that the Herald... Uh, He was just so thankful for the herald that came while he was in prison because that helped sustain him, helped him to get through those 30 years. And the book that he was asking about is a book by Andrew Murray. And Andrew Murray was one of his um, special teachers that he had learned from through the herald, uh, helping him to learn to wait before God and sit and So he was just very appreciative, and it was very encouraging there at the ministry to hear that. So we hung up, and I was getting ready to put the information into the computer to place the order, and the phone rings again. And so I answer it, and it's the same man. And he said, I'm sorry. He said, I got off the phone before I was able to take the opportunity to pray for you. And I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm glad you called back, you know. And so he started in. And he said, "Uh, Heavenly Father, I just want to lift Gayla up to you. I want to pray for her husband, Carl. I want to pray for her daughter, Susie, and her husband, David. I want to pray for her other daughter, Chrissy, and her husband, Will. He went through all ten of my grandchildren. I've never met this man. And we, from time to time at the Herald, will send out prayer force letters for people who have committed to pray for the ministry and the staff. And just every now and then we will put in, you know, pray for my grandchildren, you know. But when he started in and went personally from me to Carl to my daughters to my grandchildren, I mean, Logan, Owen, Carly, Allie, I mean, he went through all of them. I started crying. I have no idea what he prayed, (laughs) but I mean, it was a blessing to me because it reminded me people really do pray for you, and to be that specific and know that was a very special gift to me from God because a lot of times people will call in, and they'll want you to pray for them, and so it was just a nice reminder that People do pray, and they, you know, it also reminded me that if someone has something that I say, I'm going to pray for you, well, why wait? Just pray with them right then, and it may be that special blessing from God that they need.
I'm Amber, for those of you who don't know. Um, when Chris called me this past week and asked if I would share today, we talked for a little bit, and afterwards, the only thing that came into my head and has literally been in my head all week is, but God. And that's literally probably the only way that I can describe 2022. A um, little backstory. I got married in November of 2021. So I started 2022 off as a newly married woman, and I wasn't quite sure if I was going to be able to handle that because life. But God, he knew that I could handle it. He sent me the right man, and I'll try not to cry. He sent me the right man for that because he knew. Things were good. We had roller coasters, obviously, just like any other life would. And Easter started rolling around. And we found out we were expecting. And not too long after that, it was ripped away from us. We were about six weeks along. But God, again, provided us with such an amazing support system that I know there are some here, they're still praying daily and weekly for us for that. And I know that because I experienced that, because Christopher experienced that, that is going to help somebody one day know that they can overcome that. And our stories are meant to be an encouragement. And scripture tells us that we're to be an encouragement one to another. And that's what I hope our story does. And things, once again, were going really good. You know, we both had really good jobs. And then summer came. It was the last day of VBS. And I lost my job. But God, he provided. He provided the means for us because around August, Christopher lost his job as well. But God provided for both of us. He provided the means for gas, for food, and I started a new job in August, and he started one at the end of September, right before his Emmaus walk. He actually started three days before I took him to Clay City for his Emmaus walk. So, but God, there again. <laughs> so things, once again, were going really, really good. And, you know, then in November, my mother-in-law had COVID, and so we couldn't do our Thanksgiving but at the same time, we almost had a house fire. But God, once again, he somehow had all of us who were still in the house. It, so it was me, my mother-in-law, and her mother. All of us were awake at 7 in the morning. And my mother-in-law was able to, she heard this little crackling. And she looked over towards our, her bedroom wall and saw flames rising back from behind her bookcase. Our modem for our Wi-Fi caught on fire. But God provided us the ability to just be awake enough for her to yank the cord from the wall and stop 
our house from burning down, mind you. It's a well over a hundred year old house, so it would have gone fast. But God, he provided safety and comfort through that. And you know, we were able to celebrate Thanksgiving late, but we still celebrated. And November went by, December went by, and then Christmas Day, we celebrated our Savior's birth, and then that night, we had a water burst. Our pipe upstairs exploded. But God, we were able to turn off the water source, so we had no water for 24 hours, mind you, in the midst of a cold freeze. So we were also dealing with pretty much no heat. We were just running on very little electric heaters in our house. But God provided ability for us to be warm. You know, we were able to go to work, and I was able to go to my parents' house, and we were able to fix our water issue. So no more explosions upstairs. We're good. <laughs> but God, that's literally the only way that 2022 can be described for me is but God, he provided means, he provided safety, he provided comfort, he, sur he provided anything and everything that you could probably think for. And like I said, I look forward to what 2023 is going to be, and I hope it is a lot more of but God's. Did she turn? Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if she turned it off. All right, so I... My name is Kristen. I'm Chris's wife. Um, and I can do a communion meditation. I can share whatever God lays on my heart in an instant. But I really felt it important to write down what I wanted to share with you because I didn't want to lose anything in the moment. Um, so before, um, or maybe it was around the same time that, that Chris started asking, what has God done? Um, he mentioned the idea of Christmas Day not following on a Sunday until like 11 years from now. And where are you going to be in 11 years? And God really took me back on Sunday, this past Sunday when he said that, to where was I 11 years ago? Because it's when we think about the future, what we think about is, oh, well, how old will I be? Oh, my gosh, I'm going to be 57 in 11 years. That just seems impossible. Um, but then I began thinking 11 years ago, where was I? And um, it's interesting because I was pregnant. I was preparing for a mission trip and I, we went, went on this mission trip. We went to Haiti. First time Chris and I had ever been there. Um, his sister Katie went with us and we met a little girl at the orphanage. And we got home from that trip, and Katie came to our house to talk to us, and she said, I'm supposed to adopt that little girl, but Katie was a high schooler, and that just seemed impossible. And she and I sat, and we studied God's Word together. We talked about things in the Bible that seemed impossible, but obedience made it possible. And so um, now... 11 years later, and I was talking to Chris Sunday about this. I was like, look at what God did 11 years ago that now is we're seeing in fruition because Katie moved to Haiti. She's a missionary there. She has a family of little bitty Haitian girls that are just so cute. Um, and, you know, we're in the process of getting them home for a while. And 
I'm thinking, wow, if God did that in 11 years, what is 11 years from now going to look like? And it made me think this week that God sets plans in motion long before we even realize it. And so that's what I wanted to share with you. When I look at what I've learned in this last year, it can all be summed up with one thought. God's plan for me today was set in motion long before today. In so many different ways, I've seen how his plan for each day, each happening, each breath, was all set in motion before they happened. Whether it's wisdom shared by others that sets his plan in motion, or a prayer prayed, an experience shared, or so many other options, his plan is set in motion long before it plays out. The example that I want to share with you in detail began 30 years ago. I was a custodian at our church as a junior in high school. I was cleaning the sanctuary after a 24-hour prayer vigil. Do you remember those? We don't really have those much anymore. Um, While cleaning, I came across the sheet that was left for participants with prayer requests to pray over during their scheduled time. I sat down and I began reading what our church had shared. One of the requests was from my future father-in-law. He was asking for prayer for the future spouses of his children. And this was the first time I was ever presented with the idea to pray for something in the future and not to just pray over a current circumstance you were in. I sat on that thought for a little bit, and then I continued to read. In his prayer request for his future spouses, he began praising God for how God was already answering that prayer for his only son. He was thanking God for me, and yet Chris and I were only dating. I was humbled that this man thought I was God's future spouse for his son, a moment that I will never forget. Seven years later, Chris and I were expecting our first child. At Kaylee's birth, she was laid in my arms, and I looked at her, and I began thinking about the moment that Mary held Jesus for the first time. She knew a few things for sure, that Jesus was going to save her people, and that God chose her to be Jesus' mother. And then I realized Mary and I had something in common. We were each chosen as the mother of the child we were holding, and yet neither of us knew the details of the future God had for that child. I looked at Kaylee, and I began praying a prayer over her that would later be prayed over all of my children. Prayers for her belief in God, that she would love him and serve him, that she would love others and serve them, Prayers that I would make wise decisions in the way I parented. And then I remembered that prayer vigil sheet and the prayer of my father-in-law. So I prayed for Kaylee's future husband, that his parents would raise him to love and serve God, to love and serve others, and to be a godly leader to our daughter and so much more. Thirteen years later, Kaylee was entering high school. It was a really rough start. She struggled with those she had called friend, and everything she knew in friendships began to change. There were days I even asked Chris if I could let her skip school because I just didn't want to send her. But there was one friend, a newer friend, became her closest and her best friend. He encouraged her on her bad days and celebrated with her on her good days. He challenged her to read her Bible, to grow her faith, to seek God in all things, to be accountable to God in all decisions and actions. And I was so thankful she had a best friend that lifted her closer to her Savior. In December of her senior year, her best friend approached Chris and I and asked permission to take Kaylee on a date. But not only did he ask our permission, he laid out for us his expectations and plans for boundaries and limits in dating our daughter, including curfews and not being alone together. 
which is really backwards because that's what we're supposed to give. But he had everything planned out and thought out. This past spring, this young man came and sat at our dining room table and asked for our daughter's hand in marriage. It was an easy yes for us because we'd already grown to love him and prayed that God's will would be for these two to marry someday. As I look back over the last 22 years with Kaylee, I see how God's plan for me as a parent was set in motion 30 years ago in that sanctuary of the church I grew up in, where my future father-in-law taught me how to pray for my future children and their spouses. This week, I've been thinking a lot about God's plan, and I've spent some time meditating on the infamous Jeremiah 29:11, but not as we usually focus on. My thoughts have been more on the promise in the first part. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God has declared that he has a plan for me, <clears throat> and he has a plan for you. His plan wasn't made this morning as you got up with the sunrise. His plan was formed for you at the creation of the world. God has taught me in so many ways that he has a plan for me. In the good and the bad, the easy, the hard, he has a plan. But my job is to seek him and his plan in everything I do. Thirty years ago this year, I was taught to seek him in the plans for my future children, and in doing so, I have received the blessing of watching his plan unfold. Kaylee's planning to get married in May to the man I have been praying about for 22 years. She graduated college a month ago, and as God would have it, is following in my father-in-law's footsteps working in the medical field. And as an added bonus, is helping mommies deliver their babies in the same hospital where I prayed over her that day. So what has God done for, my, for me in my life this year? He's shown me he's always working, and the plan he has for me today was not a roll of the dice this morning, but a plan he already had laid out for me. And I can be sure of one thing. No matter how today goes, he is good. He is in today, and therefore his plan for me today is good. Good morning, I'm Ken. So, <laughs> for those of you that don't know me. I was chosen to wrap this up, and my first question to you, because I always like to pose questions. I like to think. I drive my wife crazy because I'm always asking questions. When she's trying to explain something to me, I want to get down to the bottom of it. I want to understand it, so I'm always like, why? And she said, you're not that stupid. Quit asking me questions. <laughs> to which I say, no, really, I am. I just want to understand. <laughs> As I ask a lot of questions, so my first question to you today is, what's important to you? What's important to you? What was important to you in 2022? And what's going to be important to you in 2023? Those, those numbers are just kind of crazy to me. And I have to stop and think because it won't take 11 years for me to get to 57. Thank you. <laughs> you said it like it's such an old number. It was hard, it was hard, for, me, it was hard for me to get up and come up here. <laughs> Anybody remember David Letterman? I love David Letterman. He always had a top 10 list. And so I've got the top 10 things that people Google searched in 2022. Number 10, Jeffrey Dahmer. Number nine, Anne Heche. 
Number eight and seven kind of go together, and I want you to raise your hand if you research this. Powerball numbers and mega millions. Huh? Okay. I always, I always tell God, I'm going to tithe 20% of this if I win. I'm going to go above and beyond. Number six, Ukraine. It's very uh, near and dear to a lot of us. Number five, Bob Saget. I never understood that craze. I never did. I never did. Number four, Queen Elizabeth. Number three, shows that America wins, Betty White. She lived to be 100. Queen Elizabeth did not. Number two, election results. And the number one search that Americans did in 2022, I want you to raise your hand if you took part in this nonsense. I mean, this program. (laughs) Wordle. How many of you did Wordle? Oh, I got so sick of seeing that on my Facebook page. Oh, my gosh. I almost shut down Facebook, but, you know, we can't live without Facebook now. That might be an addiction. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to think about that. So looking back over 2022, looking forward to 2023, we have to look back to get a clear view of our future. And that doesn't sound quite right, but it's the truth. We have to look at where we've been so we know where we're going It's good to look back at what God has done in our lives and our church. I've, we've been here for about a year and a half, almost two years now, and one of my posts that came up in Facebook, because it's where I get most of my sermon material, um, <laughs> but one of my memories on Facebook came up this morning, and it was about how God had brought us to Berea in 2020. One-ish, yeah. And just the changes that I've seen in this church and the growth I've seen in this church in the past year and a half has been absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Looking back, we can celebrate our wins, learn from our missteps, remember God's faithfulness, and thank God for his goodness. That's all part of it. And you heard that through every story that was told. There were some tears over some hardships. There were some celebrations over some great things that happened. And all those things together are what make us who we are. Reviewing our past will remind us of what God has done and what he is doing. I love that, of what God has done and what he is doing. Three or four of the, of the stories that we heard today is about how God is doing things right now that we don't even know about that's going to happen in the future. And that is just absolutely amazing to me. And I always stand amazed and think, my gosh, how did God do that? And I'm thinking, well, let's see, he created the whole universe, so this is probably not that tough for him. But for me, it's a little bit tough. So the obvious statement today is that time is moving forward and it's not slowing down. For some of us, it's picking up speed. 
I've heard that once you get over the hill that it goes faster. I'm not looking forward to that day because I don't think I've reached that yet. But time is our most precious commodity. I read the other day that time and money are so different because we know how much money we have, but we don't know how much time we have. And we have to spend it wisely. We have to make the choices. We have to make sure that our priorities are right. Remember the top 10? How many of those priorities were ours? How many of those searches were the things that we were searching for? And the question remains of what will we be searching for in 2023? So now you're asking, all right, 2023, so what's God's plan for me? I'm glad you asked. I've prepared something for that. God is not so worried about making you happy and healthy as he is in making you holy. I'm going to say that over here. God is not so much concerned about making you happy and healthy as he is about making you holy. Because he desires our obedience more than anything else that we have. God will use trouble in your life. We've heard that a couple of times this morning. When there is trouble, that's when you are stretched. We all enjoy not having trouble. I always enjoy a day or two with no trouble. But it's during those times. And I can give you personal testimony that in those tough times is when God will move you. And he will allow you to grow. And he will stretch you. Sometimes beyond anything that you think is imagined. But that's so you know that it's not you that's getting through this. It's God that is bringing you through this. In 1 Samuel 7.12, it says, Then Samuel took a stone, and he set it up between Mizpah and Shin. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Has anybody noticed the big rock up here on stage? It wasn't something that he wanted the people to worship. It wasn't a big altar. It was just something to remind them that God has brought us safe thus far. And I like the saying that so far, I have survived 100% of the trials I have been through. Because I'm still here. And that's because God is with us. We need those reminders. When hard times come and they sneak back into our brain and we think, oh, we're through that. And then something reminds us of that. It helps us know that God has brought us safe thus far. So that's why this rock is here to remind us of what God has brought us through. As we look back over the trials and tribulations of our life and we think, oh my gosh, how in the world did I ever get through that? There's one answer. It's but God. It's only because of God. And if we remember what God has done, it will encourage us and motivate us, just like the Israelites, to believe that God, in difficult times, 
is there for our future. That God's planning our future well ahead of us. You know, we think, we think we've got this all figured out, and I'm going to set goals and plans for 2023, and man, by January 3rd, this is tough. I don't want to do this anymore. I wish I could own a Planet Fitness for 30 days. I would pick December 31st through whatever 30 days after that is. That's what I would do. And then I would make space for storage, probably. God has stuff planned out, and we're planning stuff out, and that doesn't mean that we're, that we're not looking to God. But the question is, the stuff that you are planning for the next year, the things that you want to see changed, is God in the midst of it? So let me encourage you to spend the next few days reflecting on the past. Remember the good, the bad, and the ugly. But mostly remember what God has done for you. And know that he will continue to show up and he will continue to show off. And when our, when our kids and our grandkids show off, what do we do? We tell everybody. We've got pictures to show everybody. And when God shows up and shows out, just like Chris said, man, you got to tell everybody. Because it's not that we're trying to shove Jesus down your throat. It's that we know what it's like to live within him and he within us. And we can end in this scripture, Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I pray, Lord, that as we come to you, that we will set something in our life to remind us of the great things that you have done. That you will speak to our hearts. That you will bring to mind the struggles that you have brought us through. And Father, may we rest assured that as we run this race, that it's going to be so worth it. Father, I pray for our family here, that we would lift each other up, that we would encourage each other, that we would be the best cheerleaders that we can be. And Father, as we have celebrations of what you've done in our lives, may you be lifted up. Father, we thank you for all that you've done. And just as importantly, we thank you for all that you are going to do. Best that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. Father, as we lift our 
voices in praise to you. Father, speak to us. Allow us to grow closer to you. And may we show your love to every person we meet. We'll get your communion cups ready. We'll take it together at the end of this meditation. Certain events invite us to look back, but also look forward, such as graduations and weddings, and maybe New Year's Day. At these times, we consider the significance of the past, but also anticipate the future. And the Lord's Supper is an event just like that. For as often as we eat, this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. So when we worship through participation of communion, we look back on the cross. We were reminded of the sin that made Christ's death necessary. So as we search our hearts today, we take inventory of our lives, we confess our sins and failures to our God. So partaking in this cup prompts us to express the thanks and the blessings and grace and mercy that he gave us. Each time we partake of the Lord's Supper, we look forward and we declare our confident expectation of Christ's return. Even though the second coming is a future event, it should daily influence our current behavior. So as we share this communion meditation together, we remember the past and anticipate the future and experience the renewal in the present. We remember our Lord who died but is not dead, and he lives and will return again, and he is our living hope because we have a living Lord. So if you guys would, please take the bread, the body broken for us. the blood that poured out for the covering of our sins. Please take the juice together. going to finish this service celebrating today, all right? So if you would, let's stand together. We're going to celebrate what the Lord's done this past year and the promise of what he's doing next year.
Come thou fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mountain fixed upon it Mount of God's unchanging love Here I raise my Ebenezer Hither by thy help I'm come and I hope by thy good pleasure Safely to arrive at home Jesus sought me when a stranger Wandering from the fold of God Here to rescue me from danger Interposed his precious blood Sung by flaming tongues above 
praise the mountain fixed upon it. Mountain God's unchanging love.
service with a new song. This song is one I've been really praying about for a while, and I think the new year is a perfect time to introduce it. This song is called Fear Is Not My Future. If you've not heard this song, I'm really excited to introduce it here. Um, it's a celebration, but it's also a declaration that fear is not going to be my future. Sickness is not my story. Heartbreak is not my home. And death's not the end because Jesus is. So when, the, when that gets enough, yeah. It's a powerful song, y'all. So let's sing this song. Let's learn it together.
de declare this over this church today. Fear is not my future. You are. Sickness is not my story. You are. And heartbreak's not my home. You are. And death is not the end. You are. There is no blast youth tonight. No blast youth tonight. We pick back up next <laughs> next Sunday, and it's uh, we've got some stuff planned. It's going to be crazy. So we just uh, pray for each of you. Um, we have prayer lists that we go over, and I'm praying for so many of you every day of the week. I want you to know that. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be full of love and life in Jesus Christ. Father, we ask that you would bless us as we leave here. Father, it's, it's, it's when we leave here that we enter the mission field, that we reach those pre-believers that are just waiting to hear our stories. They're waiting to hear our testimonies of that which you have done in our life. Father, bless us. Give us make us bold and courageous to share that which you've done in our life. In Jesus' name. Amen.